The sports pen with you on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad you're along as we hit the midweek here on Wednesday. In the studio with me, per usual, is the pride of ABC10, John Michael Hofling. Hi, Mike. Pride of ABC10? I wouldn't say that. But no? No, no, no. It's Dan Callahan. Dan sure. Callahan. He's been there the longest. You know, just won a couple MABs. Really Dan the man. Him, so. Oh, yeah. Good for Dan. Congrats, Dan, if you're out there. we got to get Dan on here sometime. Sometime. Dan, that'd, be, that'd be a good show. He always calls himself Not Sports Dan Callahan. Oh, yeah, he'd be the guy that we want on sports radio then. <laughs> maybe maybe we don't want him on the show. Maybe it wouldn't be a good show. Maybe it would. I don't know. No, no, it would be because he thinks he knows a lot about sports. Ah, so he's like the Stugatz of... Yes, Okay, yes, all right. Yes, 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 I would, I think you've we called make me the Stugatz of ABC10. Because of your hot takes. Okay, okay, okay. I think Dan might be upseating you, though. Okay, uh, really? Yeah. Well, what hot takes have you heard from Dan? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm just talking about the fact that he comes on sports radio, tries to make sports takes, and doesn't know what he's he talking said, about. He said some really bad, he said some, like, weird stuff. He was talking earlier in the year, because last year was the first time he ever played fantasy football. Mm-hmm. He was in the same league that we were in, the ABC 10 ESPN league, and, uh... He came third, so he did pretty well, but he was just constantly doing stuff. And he said at some point in the season that he thinks DJ Chark might be a top five receiver mm-hmm. in the league. DJ Chark. Folks. Who would have thought? Yeah, who would have thought, man? When he has Garner Minshew throwing to him, he is. I know, very true. <laughs> Tell you what, what did he get in that league anyway? What did Dan finish? He, he finished third. How? I don't know, man. He traded away so many g- good people. He tr- so he had DJ Chark, who was actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had Dalvin Cook. Traded him away. These are all people I'm naming that he traded away during the season. Mm. Uh, Dak Prescott, Saquon Barkley, Amari Cooper, Zach Ertz. I think that's all the people he traded away. That's a championship caliber roster. Yeah, and he didn't have one at the end. He was starting people like Albert Wilson by the end of the season. So, yeah. The ever-shrew Dan Callahan might just be the general manager we all need. Maybe that's who Cleveland should have hired a few days ago. Uh, Absolutely, man. (laughs) Total roster turnover. He'd be like, you know, I could trade Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry for Devontae Parker. I could do that. (laughs) Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Glad that you're along. It is super week. We've got a resident 49er fan in the house with us how are you feeling this week i'm still skeptical man are you there was a report that came out a couple days ago by mike freeman i mm. believe from espn okay. and uh he basically interviewed a bunch of nfl gms and the nfl gms think that the chiefs are going to wipe out the 49ers really yeah and it's overwhelmingly confident from mm. what i've heard so that does not bring much confidence in my team for myself uh, with the 49ers. I do think the 49ers will give them a good show, but like I even made a prediction on uh, our show yesterday, and I said Chiefs by seven. I think the Chiefs, Chiefs by seven. are going to win. I think the Niners can put up points, but when it comes down to it, Patrick Mahomes versus Jimmy Garoppolo, Patrick Mahomes is going to outduel him every single time. But what do the Niners need to do if they're going to have a shot in this one? What's the biggest key for the Niners? They need to run the ball effectively. Yeah. And I know that that's way You're like, oh, it's the 49ers. Of course they're going to run the ball effectively. The Tennessee Titans thought the same thing, mm-hmm. folks. They thought the same thing, and then Derrick Henry got held to 78 yards. Since week nine of the NFL season, guess which rush defense is the best in the league? Um, the Chiefs? The Chiefs. <laughs> so they need to be able to run the ball effectively because as soon as it becomes a, hey, we're playing catch-up, we have to keep throwing, we have to keep using Jimmy Garoppolo, that, that's when it's going to be an issue because Tyron Matthew and others, um, other, uh, other people in that secondary, Jimmy threw 13 interceptions this year. Mm. He, he's going to throw interceptions. He's yeah. going to throw I, – I, I guarantee you there's going to be at least one interception thrown by Jimmy Garoppolo this game. Okay. And it's just a matter of when that turnover comes. If the 49ers can avoid any, can avoid any other fumbles, it, one turnover won't kill you. But 
if it's one turnover in a crucial situation, that could destroy the game. So what's going to be the big back this game? Who's going to have their explosive game in the Niner backfield this week? Oh, I'm hoping it's Tevin Coleman. Really? I, I mean, I mean, I don't think it's going to be Tevin Coleman. Of the three-headed monster that is the 49ers backfield, which mm-hmm. is Matt Breida, Raheem Mostert, and Tevin Coleman, Tevin Coleman has been the least productive one in terms of yards per carry, yards after contact, and s- straight-up speed. I think Tevin Coleman's the least productive one in all three of those categories. Mm-hmm. So why is he the starting back? I don't know, but uh, it, if it become if it comes down to it, I think Matt Breida and Raheem Mostert can both carry the load. Tevin Coleman can if he works in some sort of rotational back work. I think that's fine. I think Tevin Coleman is the best goal line back that they have, other than Kyle Yuschuk. But yeah, I mean, any one of them could. Raheem can, Mostert could. He's been really hot. So can they get away with Jimmy throwing less than fifteen times a game? Can I mean, they win with that a third straight week? Why not? Why not? <laughs> I mean, they, they've done it, so it's, I mean. So that's not a big concern for you, is how much Jimmy no, throws fact, the football. the 49ers shouldn't have, the, the, the thing that concerns me is, Jimmy Garoppolo is currently on pace to be the richest quarterback ever in terms of dollars per throw. <laughs> Amount of money he makes he's more made. doing less. Yeah. It's like golf, dude. But yeah. um, I, always, I always thought it was funny. The winner of golf <laughs> is the person who plays the least amount of golf. But, yeah, so. I don't like how much we paid him. No. I, I, I never liked that. We should have mm-hmm. just kept Alex Smith. But <laughs> uh, aside from that, it's the whole thing comes back to can they control the run game? Can mm-hmm. they control the clock? Can they control time of possession? Because guess what? The 49ers' three losses this year, two of those games they lost time of possession. And both of those games, they were, th- uh, were the games that they didn't even go into overtime. The other game they lost, they still won the time of possession by like Four seconds or something like that. It was like thirty oh two to twenty nine fifty eight or something like that. It, it can't just be about winning time of possession. They've got to dominate time. They of possession. They have to dominate because mm-hmm. the Chiefs don't care about time no. of possession. They can have the ball for twenty minutes and score on ten second drives. So yeah, you need to dominate time of possession. I'm talking like forty five fifteen fifty ten something along those lines because the Chiefs can score at will. Are you into prop bets and doing stuff like that during the broadcast? I mean, I'm not saying do you put money on it, but I mean, do you like following those, pay much attention to them? I don't pay much attention to them, but like, do you have a couple good ones? Oh yeah, I love prop okay, bets. Right. Like I was reading a few yesterday here on the show and some that were brought up, like these are real prop bets. Which coach is going to be shown first during the telecast? Will it be Andy Reid or Kyle Shanahan? Oh, Andy Reid. You think so? Yeah, because the whole there's a whole storyline behind Andy Reid. What's the storyline behind Kyle Shanahan? 28-3 redemption? Well, I mean, he's got... You know, ties to his father who won a Super Bowl. Now he can win a Super Bowl. There's a lot of family ties. The in fact that I didn't know that just goes to show. <laughs> you didn't know Mike Shanahan won a Super Bowl? No, I know I know Mike Shanahan. Like, obviously I know about Mike Shanahan, mm-hmm. but it's just like that has never crossed my mind this entire week. Mm-hmm. Um, but what has crossed my mind this entire week is Andy Reid looking for his first Super Bowl, the most wins all time for a coach who doesn't have a Super Bowl. That's what I've been hearing mm-hmm. all week long. That's Andy Reid. So you would hammer that prop. I would hammer that. All right. Hey, tell you what, free advice here in the show. There we go. Why man. not? I tell you what, though, Andy Reid's legacy is one of the more confusing ones when you look at it. And here's the weird part about it. A week from now, you could be back here in the studio if the Chiefs do win on Sunday, and we could be talking about Andy Reid's legacy in a whole different light because he would have the same amount of rings and far more wins than Pete Carroll, Sean Payton, Mike Tomlin, guys like that. Does this one game immediately put him above all those other coaches? Uh, so you immediately – so 
I don't know if you guys remember this, but a couple months ago, like sort of at the start of the NFL season, we did like a coaching draft yep. thing. And before we sort of did it, uh, I've always been down on Andy Reid because he hasn't won a Super Bowl, which I think is the most important thing mm-hmm. in a coach. Uh, but you said that you think Andy Reid would be your fourth best coach. Yep. Behind only Belichick, McVay, and Sean Payton. McVay was probably a mistake putting him that high in hindsight, but still. <laughs> but either way, so you had Andy Reid at fourth. Uh, I had Andy Reid a lot lower, but yeah, that's the whole thing. If he wins a Super Bowl, I will gladly, gladly put him above Pete Carroll. I, I, I definitely put him above Mike Tomlin. Right. I, am, I do not think Mike Tomlin is a good coach. Is that right? Tomlin for years has had one of the most talented rosters in the league, but could never get past the Patriots. It's the same re- like if you're going to argue that Peyton Manning wasn't that good of a quarterback because he could never get past Tom Brady, mm-hmm. you can have, you can say the exact same thing for Mike Tomlin and the Steelers. I I don't know if I'd totally go that far into it. I mean, I see what you're saying, but it's not like the Patriots were the absolute invincible giant. For me, got by him a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, he, he just only by, won he, one big one. He he got by him a couple times, and he did win a Super Bowl. But the fact is that. Year after year after year, he has an incredible roster of defense. Mm-hmm. He is, and he he's better than Jason Garrett. Yeah, I'll give him <laughs> yeah. that. Jason Garrett uh, continually did way less with a lot more. Mm-hmm. But if your bar is Jason Garrett, yeah, I mean, I hope you're from better. about when was that Super Bowl? Two thousand nine, two thousand eight. No, the Giants were oh eight. It might have been oh nine. Okay, so let's say it was oh nine. Uh, from about two thousand eleven to. Now or no? Uh, last it was year. '09. I think they played yeah. Arizona that year. Yeah, it was the year mm-hmm. they beat Arizona. But from about 2011 to 2018, mm-hmm. the Steelers probably had the t- most talented or top five most talented rosters in the league. Mm-hmm. They had superstars at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, the best offensive line in the AFC. I don't care what you say. The only offensive line that even rivaled it was Dallas at that point when Dak Prescott first started. Mm-hmm. Uh, an incredible defense, uh, continually hit on uh, draft picks. Ryan Shazier, unfortunately, what happened to him. Yeah. But uh, other than that, they had good veterans. Ike Taylor was still a monster at cornerback for a mm, long time. That's a name. Yeah. So continually had all this stuff, but could never make it past the AFC Championship mm-hmm. game. I see where you're saying or where you're coming from. I do. I, I don't know if I'd go that far because I'd still be pretty happy with I, I, I would, my team. If Andy Reid wins the Super Bowl, I would gladly take Andy Reid over Mike Tomlin. I already think Andy Reid is above all these coaches with this one win on Sunday. I would still put Pete Carroll and Sean Payton above Andy Reid. You would. Mm-hmm. Why is that? They've won the Super Bowl. Yeah, I know. But if Andy Reid joins that, club, oh, if Andy Reid wins the Super Bowl, right? Oh, I would put Andy Reid. Okay, above. so it's so weird. His legacy hinges so much on this one game on Sunday. Because on the other side, if he loses this game, he goes to 0-2 in Super Bowls, and he has this kind of roster, you got to start asking yourself, is he ever going to win one? You have to. You I do. Mean, you have to yeah, ask the, that. He, is our, he has by far the most talented quarterback we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Ever, sorry, Aaron Rodgers fans. Patrick Mahomes takes it by a mile, folks. But, yeah, you have to start thinking that. Like, what, the people consider the Buffalo Bills a pitiful franchise. Mm-hmm. They've made four. They made four straight Super Bowls and lost them all. Yeah, but nobody cares about that, right? Stuff. Nobody cares if you make it to Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Nobody. You got to it. win it. And you think about how different the legacy would be about Mark Levy as a coach or Jim Kelly as a quarterback if they would have just won one of those. Mm-hmm. 
Like, how hard is that to keep getting back to the Super Bowl and keep getting denied? Like, I would have loved to have been a football fan around that era, the early 90s. You know what they say, um, or at least my parents told me this to make me feel good. But when you're bowling, when I was a kid, you you know, you bowl with bumpers on and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And they say it's always harder to knock down no pins than it is to knock down 10 pins. So mm-hmm. arguably what the Buffalo Bills did in the 90s, making four straight Super Bowls, losing them all, is harder than just winning one. Four so. giant gutter balls <laughs> yeah. in the early 90s. Have you ever met a Buffalo Bills fan? Do we even know if they exist? I mean, Do they have fans? No, because they break too many tables, man. <laughs> they break, they, uh, they get hospitalized Bills too often. I tell you what, Bills Mafia is a fun fan base. Yeah, I mean, it they're is. special. Yeah, uh, do you think that they're fans because they like the Bills and they like the history? Or do you think they're fans because, like, that's a fun fan base? That's a good question. I don't know what the history is I of the I feel like Bills. if you weren't in that fan base, mm-hmm. like, if you're not at the game, breaking tables, throwing each other off of situations and stuff like that, I feel like you can't be. Because it's just like you would feel disconnected from the entire rest of the fan base. I just wonder what possesses somebody outside of Buffalo to say, I'm going to be a Bills fan. Not even the Buffalo players like the Bills. Like, <laughs> uh, Did you hear Jordan Matthews' whole thing mm. about where he said, quote, this is a quote from Jordan Matthews, former Buffalo Bills receiver, mm-hmm. said he had to get out of Buffalo because the only thing to do there was each other. <laughs> We're a G-rated show, Michael. <laughs> well, that's, that's an actual quote from a Bills receiver. And uh, I've, I've heard been to Buffalo. Ever since then, other like former Bills have come out and said like pretty much the same thing. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know, man. Do they have a passionate fan base? Yes, but they do. so do the Oakland Raiders. And I know a lot of, uh, I know a lot about the Oakland Raiders. Obviously, I lived in that area. And, and while they're passionate, there's not a lot of them. I wonder if like there's more fans of the Toronto Argonauts, or if there are more. No, they're not more passionate, but do you think there's probably more fans in Toronto, like football fans of the Argonauts, than there are the Bills? No, I wouldn't say that. Yeah. It's not as widely... First of all, it's Canada, so it's like... Right. They don't care for football as much. Mm-hmm. If anything, it's going to be the... It's going to be hockey, or it's going to be the Maple Leafs. Okay, so would the Maple Leafs fan base rival the Bills? I would say that. Yeah. I would say the, I would say the Maple Leafs fan base is probably larger than the Bills. It's probably one of the largest in all of hockey. Yeah. All of sport. In, I mean, those in, fans, in are they love their hockey up yeah. there. Yeah. Tell you what, we're going to talk more about the Super Bowl after our first time out next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to Tanner Hoops. John Michael Hoefling with you. Glad that you're along as we continue to dive into the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 54, just four days away. Mike, we were talking during the break about some guys that uh, some you know that we've met trying to knock off all the fan bases like there are just some teams that you're like do they have fans like have you ever met a bills fan a texans fan a jaguars fan like do they exist between the two of us do you think we can knock out the entire nfl well we were talking about maybe i don't maybe? know um because we were t- you and i have both never met a bills fan so we cannot other than the bills not that we know of i might i don't know if i can't totally confirm i mean i've talked to at least somebody who's a Bills fan, maybe never met, but uh, um, I'm trying to think of other franchises. Like, do you know a Texans fan? Yeah, I know a Texans okay, fan. Okay, so we got them. Yeah. I know a Jaguars fan, so we yeah. can knock them off. My cousin is a Titans fan. Titans fan, really? Okay. I feel like the AFC South is the most forgettable division. Oh, it absolutely in is. In the NFL, which is the Jaguars, Colts, 
Titans, Texans, right? And we've knocked out all of those, I think. Other than the Colts. But the, you, no, 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 I, I know Col- Jim or yeah. PD. Jim or PD. Everybody here. knows He's a Colts, a Colts fan. fan. Yeah. Just the Peyton Manning bandwagon just carries off of it. So I yeah. don't know if I know an actual Colts fan other than Jim, though. Really? I can't honestly think of one off the top of my head. Well, okay, what else is there? I, I know a Ravens fan. Okay, I've got the Dolphins covered. I met a Dolphins fan. Okay, everybody knows a Pats fan. Everybody knows a Patriots fan. Yep. I've never met a Jets fan. Have you met a Jets fan? Have I met a Jets fan? I mean, uh, Stu Gott's a friend of the show. He's a Jets fan. I don't know if he counts. I've never met him. I've had him on air. Oh, we'll count that. We'll count that. You All said right. friend of the show. Friend he is a friend is of the show. Um, I mean, I'm on a texting basis with him, so I, I would go. like to think he's my, my homie. Yeah. There we go. Uh, we know Tyree Smith. He's a Saints fan. Okay, we got the Saints. I, we, let's go through this by division. Do we know a Panthers fan? I do. I do. Now I'm thinking of one uh, from back in Iowa. Now that, okay. Okay, so. Uh, Steph Curry, but we, I don't Steph- know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we got the AFC South covered, NFC South. Do we know a Falcons fan? I don't know a Falcons fan. I don't know that I do either. I, I know a Buccaneers fan. I do too. Okay, we got them covered. We know the Saints. Tyree. Yeah, yeah. Tyree, among Good others. Tyree. Um... I think we have all the NFC North covered. I mean, that's probably the yeah, easiest division. Probably. Um, the East, we all know Cowboys fan. Mm-hmm. Do we know any Redskins fans? No. Nope. Do they have fans anymore? I'm an Alex Smith fan. <laughs> it's like me saying I'm a Jags fan because of their quarterback. <laughs> uh, or a Giants fan. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I do know a Giants fan, though. Yeah, okay, good. Okay. We got them covered. We've got uh, Eagles, yeah. I know I know a few Eagles fans. I don't fans. know any Eagles fans. Okay. Redskins might be the one that stumps us, though. Red Wings and or Redskins and uh, what the was Washington the racial slurs and uh, the Atlanta Falcons thus far. You know, I what? think if we had Tyree here because Tyree is from the uh, Georgia yeah, area, he would get us. He'd okay. probably have a Falcons fan. It is weird because we're trying to knock out here in the sports fan, uh, the sports pen. If any of these teams actually have fans, because We've I'm not totally convinced. I, we have met a lot of fans. There's a lot of fans around. I I just. I can't think of anyone that's a Falcons you know, fan. Maybe top Matt Mackerzak because he's Matty Ice now. Apparently, yeah, he's, but he's a Packers guy. Ah, it's, it's he fair. is a Packers guy, but he does like Matty Ice. So that's his new nickname. Apparently, and, with the and I love that. By the yeah. way, shout out Naba Eccles getting that to go. But I tell you what, I'm just I'm not totally convinced. All these teams have fans. Like, do the Redskins have fans? Like, I genuinely want to know. know. I, I it's tough to find a Chargers fan in L.A. I know uh, that there's a lot. of... I'm from California. Mm-hmm. I have yet to meet a Chargers fan. How about an L.A. Rams fan? I know, I know, I know some L.A. Do Rams you? fan. I didn't think people cared. No, I, I know some L.A. Rams fans. Okay, Chargers but would be tougher. Chargers though. is way tougher. Mm. I tell you what, we've got most of the teams covered, but uh, yeah, are we convinced that there are actual L.A. Charger fans? Are we convinced they exist? L.A. Charger fans? No. Yeah, I'm not fans, convinced they exist. All, all of the fans of the Chargers are San Diego Chargers fans. <laughs> They need to just put the team back there. Yeah, basically. They really do. I mean, why was that a good idea? Why did someone think it was a good idea to move them to L.A.? Yeah, it, it, oh, my God. I want to call up my friend right now. He has so many, like, he knows exactly what happened with this whole thing because he's from San Diego. Or he's mm-hmm. from the area. He's from specifically Carlsbad. Mm. So he knows the area so well, and he was a huge Chargers fan. He's a Chargers and a Patriots fan. And... He's not an L.A. Chargers fan, though. And he's more of a Patriots fan than he is a Chargers fan. That's so he's bandwagon. That's what... Well, no, no. His mom is from the... Ah, uh, uh, we gave him a pass then. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He gets a pass. But uh, he did say, though, one time that he said he he wasn't sure if he would be a Patriots fan if they weren't that good. Okay. Which is the Fair. most bandwagon thing you can say. It but, is. But he did admit it. I... 
I don't know if I should give him credit for that. <laughs> Maybe. I give him credit. You, okay, fine. As long as you credit him. Imagine picking a team just based on where your parents are from, though. Like, I, I don't mean, know if I like that. I don't think that's that bad. I don't know. It's My like, dad's you from Iowa, but, like, uh, <laughs> there are no teams out there. No Hawks. Oh, that's true. Is yeah. he a Hawks or a Cyclone guy? He's a Hawks guy. We I actually had a cousin play on the play on the Hawkeyes. Yes, you told me about that one time, and I couldn't believe. Was that Wegger? Yeah, was that who it was yeah. Brandon Wegger, former uh, pride of Bishop Helan High School, later with the Carolina Panthers. I can't. I couldn't believe that. Like I watched him in high school. I watched him dominate my high school, and I couldn't believe your cousins. Yeah, how about that? that you ever talk to him? I haven't talked What's he to him doing about, nowadays? I, I have no idea. He's not in the league anymore, is he? I, I'm not super close with my family, and I, I've met them a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, I've met Brandon, I think, twice, mm-hmm. but I'm not in like several, several years. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I wonder, like, what is he doing nowadays? Because I, I just I haven't heard anything about him for a long time. Yeah, how about that? It's a name from the past, man. I tell you what, we have spent the first couple minutes of this segment doing really nothing that has benefited <laughs> our audience. So let's get back to Super Bowl Sunday and previewing that matchup with the Niners. Because I tell you what, the way this team was set up, Mike, the Niners with a win could set a whole new precedent in the NFL. And I talked about this the other day. If the Chiefs win, there's no change in the precedent. It's just you want to get that air raid offense, your star quarterback. If the Niners win, though, you think about the way they've drafted no skilled position players in the first round since 2012 they built up with linemen they've got okay guys at the skilled position that they have a genius head coach that gets the most out of them maybe the biggest thing though is they've shown you don't need to spend money on a big time running back instead it's probably better to go out and get three average guys and play them you know in a committee style this is the first super bowl in a while where neither team has had a star running back it is isn't it I've always said this. The running back does not make your team, folks. Running backs, there is not a single running back in the entire league. And I mean this 100% sincerely. The only guy I would consider giving an absurd amount of money to is Christian McCaffrey because of his skill as a receiver. Mm -hmm. Everybody else, every single other person, there's not one that I would consider giving a mega contract to. Mm -hmm. Not one. Not Zeke. Not Barkley. Not Dalvin Cook. Not Todd Gurley. Not Melvin Gordon, no one. I mean, this could set a whole new precedent in the NFL. I mean, you don't need to go out and spend money on those guys, on the big names, because they're one ACL tear away from that money going down the drain along with their career. Instead, you get guys like Mostert and Coleman and Breida and, you know, average guys that you're going to get the most out of and run them by committee. It could set a whole new precedent. When was the, has there ever been a time, the Patriots dynasty, right? Mm-hmm. Huge dynasty. Mm-hmm. Have they ever had a feature back. You think about it, and they really haven't. I mean, is the biggest running back that Brady's ever played with Corey Dillon? Is that our bar? Garrett Blunt? <laughs> um, let's, let's, let's take it even further. Since the Patriots dynasty started mm-hmm. 2002, has there been a single Super Bowl winner with a feature back? Um, Marshawn Lynch. I can think of the Steelers with Jerome Bettis. He had a big Super Bowl. Okay, Marshawn Lynch and Jerome Bettis. Okay. Two. Two out of, what, 18? That's not a great percentage. It's not. A committee back is just what works 
better. And mm-hmm. I think that the whole reason why running backs have started this whole holding out situation, this whole, hey, uh, I need to get paid right now situation, is because they realize it too. They realize that the NFL is moving away from the one guy every single down of every single play. He's going to get you five yards of carry and whatnot. The NFL is moving towards keep guys fresh, get a bunch of pretty talented but not immense 100% feature back guys and just roll with it in situations where they work. I'm looking up who Aaron Rodgers' running back was when the Packers won the Super Bowl back in the day because I don't think he ever really had that feature back. Did he? I mean, I you can correct me so. if I'm wrong. I don't who, I don't know who, that he did. Who did uh, Drew Brees have? Drew Brees didn't have Kamara at the time. Who would have been their running back? Did they have Mark Ingram? No, Mark Ingram No, was that was before his time. Uh, you think of Eli Manning. Derek he had Sproles? It could have been. Could have been Sproles. Eli Manning had Ahmad Bradshaw and Brandon Jacobs. Yeah. Jim Finn. Remember him? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, John Kuhn might have been the Packers running back when they won that that Super Bowl. Uh, James Starks. Was the Packers' number one running back when they went? Who exactly? I, I don't even remember that name. It's uh, like so when the Chiefs had Alex Smith. Uh, I, I hate to go to this, but they were a model of consistency for a while. They've now won the AFC for four straight years. They've mm-hmm. been a really good team uh, ever since Alex Smith came over. Mm-hmm. They yeah, they had Jamal Charles, they had Kareem Hunt, but the fact is that they were still. In fact, I think they had one of their best seasons with Charkandrick West. As the court, uh, as the as the running back, mm. Charkandrick West and Spencer Ware. That was two straight years where two guys that nobody knows, but still they made the playoffs both years. Running backs are not important in the NFL. There are only two positions that I think are uh, okay. I'll say three, three positions that I think are vitally, vitally, vitally important that I would be willing to give out mega contracts okay. for. Quarterback. Okay. Pass rush, which is only outside linebacker and defensive end. I don't care about defensive tackle. I do care about defensive tackle. If you can get a generational talent like Aaron Donald at defensive tackle, sure, I would give that to him. But in in general, defensive end, outside linebacker are the important ones. Uh, Maybe inside linebacker if you have a generational guy like Bobby Wagner or Luke Kuechly, but in general, not for the most part. Mm -hmm. So defensive end, outside linebacker, quarterback, and left tackle. That's it. That's it. Why left tackle? Protect your quarterback's blind side. Okay, all right, fair enough. I tell you what, though, I did look this up. The running backs for Drew Brees when he won the Super Bowl, Pierre Thomas and Reggie Bush. Okay, Reggie Bush is kind of a... He's not known, though, more for his NFL career as much as he was. I mean, he had a few good NFL years, but, man, Reggie Bush isn't exactly the guy you're going to shell out money for, for, uh, you know... Running back's not an important position. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far. No, I I would go that far. Would you really? A hot take, Michael's coming back in. Um, (laughs) If I'm the Dallas Cowboys, Mm -hmm. I think the Dallas Cowboys made a mistake. Yep. They should have shelled out for Dak more than Zeke. Really? I would rather have Dak and Tony Pollard than Zeke and... Who's their backup? Uh, The backup quarterback? Yeah. Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush? Yep. Are are you joking? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, I would rather have, I would, uh, if, I would rather have Dak and uh, Tony Pollard than Zeke and Andy Dalton. By the way, the other side, just while I still have it up here, the other side of that Super Bowl where the Saints beat the Colts, Peyton Manning's running backs were Dijon Robinson, I think is how you say it, and Joseph Adai. Yeah. 
<laughs> the running back isn't an important uh, position. Joseph and I was pretty good back in the day. Running back, running, I think, he, yeah, he was all right. Uh, it's, it's like saying Richard Mendenhall was pretty good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a blast from the past. Yeah, or no Sean Moreno. Um, no Sean Moreno. He had a couple good years. Yeah, a couple, but I mean, like. They the weren't Tennessee, the one-hit wonder that you know Peyton Hillis was. The Tennessee Titans were never going to make the Super Bowl. The the running back position is a regular season position. It's a position that can win you games in the regular season, get you to the playoffs. But no matter how good your running back is, I think that there is like a two percent chance that a running back can be good enough to win you a Super Bowl. Really, I I don't know if I'd go that far. I see where you're coming from. I do. The Chiefs, the Chiefs passed on 60% of their plays this year. They did, and it's 60. working for them. The 49ers rushed on, 60, uh, on 60% of their plays, mm-hmm. but don't have any featured backs. I, I see where you're coming from. I'm just not ready to say that that position should be canceled out. It's not canceled out, but I'm saying that I just don't think it's that good. Melvin Gordon's going to make a ton of money this offseason. Mm-hmm. Does he deserve it? Probably not. No. You know who deserves it more? Austin Eckler. You think about some of the running backs and like the five biggest contracts that running backs have gotten here lately. You think about Zeke Elliott. Would the Cowboys do that one over again? Maybe. Uh, who else just got Todd paid? Gurley. Todd Gurley. David I think Johnson. the Rams would uh, take a do-over on that. I think Arizona would take a do-over on that. How about Devonta Freeman? Yeah. He, he has the fifth biggest contract for a running back still in the league right now. I'm absolutely sure Atlanta would take a do-over on that. The running back shelf life is so short. Mm -hmm. Running backs don't have a long amount of time, especially not feature backs. That's Mm -hmm. one thing. That's another reason why people are going to committees is because it extends the prime of your aging running backs. Tevin Coleman was worked like a dog in Atlanta Mm -hmm. behind Devontae Freeman, and now he's in a system where, hey, guess what? If you're feeling tired, if you're not feeling it this game, your knees are bothering you, we got four guys to back you up. Jarek McKinnon was supposed to be the lead back in this (laughs) offense. We haven't seen him in two years. I like Jarek. Yeah, I like Jarek McKinnon, too. I like Jarek McKinnon, too. I think he's a great third down back, but even when they uh, signed him, the 49ers did, I thought he can't be a lead back. Tanner Hoops, John Michael, hopefully with you as we hit the bottom of the hour. Let's take a timeout. More in a moment on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back, Tanner Hoops. John Michael, hopefully with you. Glad you're along as we prime you for Super Bowl Sunday. Our resident Niners fan in with us. First, though, your Sports Center update. Dominic Team defeated Rafael Nadal in four sets in the Australian Open quarterfinals. Cubs third baseman Chris Bryant has lost his work time grievance filed against the team. And finally, Bluetooth technology was named after the 10th century king of Denmark, King Harald Bluetooth. He united Denmark and Norway, just like the wireless technology unites computers and cell phones. How about that? That's a weird connection to make, but okay. <laughs> uh, are you shocked that there was an actual King Harald Bluetooth? No. I mean, you're I, not shocked by no, that. No, it's it's funny because like everybody who invented something, you think of ed- anything that ever got invented, probably has the name of the person who invented it. You think? Yeah. The so, question mark. There has to have been a sir question or something. Sir question. Yeah. I wonder how the question mark was invented. It, but like that's just the thing is you never think about that stuff. Who invented? No, no popcorn is based off of corn that pops. But like, mm-hmm. uh, red Yeah. So like. There are so many things about... No, I think Redenbacher was the first guy to market popcorn. Okay. But I think popcorn was a thing long before then. Right? Maybe. 
Or I don't, I don't know the history of popcorn. <laughs> or it's like, how did magic get called magic, right? Mm. It's like there had to have been a guy who did tricks and he was magic. His name was magic. Yeah. So, like, the Australian Open's going on. The racket was invented by Sir Tennis Racket. No, not Tennis Racket, but a Sir Racket. Sir maybe. Racket? Maybe. I don't I, know. I don't know. I wonder if you'll invent something that can be called the Hofling. Maybe. I don't It's a thing that flings hose? Like garden hose? Uh, maybe. I mean, then there's the whole thing. They'd be like, did he name it after himself or did he name it after what, what the device does? Anyway, <laughs> we've got football to break down here over the course of the back half of our show. Uh, so you told me earlier that you are not overly confident in this game. You're still a little skeptical and that you have the Chiefs winning by seven. The Chiefs have shown time and time again that they can come back. And okay. the 49ers pride themselves on their ability to get out in front early and keep that lead with just solid run game, time of possession, and just disciplined football, not committing penalties to ruin the game for you. Except, guess what? It doesn't matter if you're up 24 to nothing. It doesn't matter if you're up 17 to 7. The Chiefs are going to come back. And when the Chiefs come back, the whole that's when the question's going to come out. Can Jimmy Garoppolo lead an offense? And I think he can. But the fact is that if you give the ball, like let's say the 49ers are up by three with 45 seconds left. Mm-hmm. I'm putting everything I have on the, on the Chiefs. <laughs> Legitimately. Legitimately. We were talking about this over break, and I think this is true. This is going to be with, like one of the hottest takes I've ever said, but Tyree Kill, I think, is more valuable to the Chiefs mm-hmm. than Michael Thomas is to the Saints. Is that right? Mm-hmm. You really do believe that? I really do believe it. Because as great as Michael Thomas is, Michael Thomas isn't somebody that can score on every single play. Okay. Tyree Kill is so fast and so dynamic and so good at breaking off his routes. Like, you can have a fast guy, mm-hmm. but if he can't break away from his receiver with, with, despite all that speed, it doesn't mean anything. Tyree Kill can do that. He's the only receiver in the league he that can. has that combination of route running and speed. He can go for a touchdown every single play. As great as Michael Thomas is, six yards, six yards, six yards, six yards, six yards isn't as good as 96 yards. So I can't convince you that Jimmy is capable of leading a game-winning drive on Sunday? No, he can. Is he capable? Yes, but... If he has a game like he did against the Saints. If it comes down to it, I think that the Chiefs are going to end the game with the, with the ball in their hands. Mm-hmm. And that means Patrick Mahomes is going to win the game. It honestly might be whoever has the ball last. It honestly could. I mean, regardless of who it is, Jimmy, I tell you what, here, let me give you a little bit of hope. Jimmy and his stats this year, he's got a QBR of 84 in the fourth quarter when the game is within one possession either way, which is best in the NFL. His passer rating when his team is trailing is 115.7, which is really good. Best in the league. 60% completion percentage on throws 15 yards or more downfield, which is also best in the NFL. And he's got a passer rating of 154 outside the pocket, which is the best in recorded history. There's some hope there if you're if you're looking for Jimmy hope, to. I the, mean, who says he can't lead a game-winning drive? The, you can ask the New Orleans Saints. Jimmy can <laughs> Jimmy can lead a game-winning drive, but <laughs> the fact is that Patrick Mahomes is on the other sideline. Mm-hmm. So no matter what, if the 49ers are trailing with one minute left, I don't think he can lead a one-minute drive 80 yards. Mm-hmm. If the 49ers are down are trailing 
with two minutes left, maybe. But if the Chiefs are trailing at all with 30 seconds left, I would still take the Chiefs. Which defensive group, then, is going to be the most important for the Niners on Sunday? Which level? Secondary. Secondary. By far. Okay. Like, because I think Fred Warner, I think Quan Alexander are athletic enough to shut down Travis Kelsey. All right. I think that defensive line is good enough to contain Patrick Mahomes, Mm -hmm. but... It's going to be a matter of getting to him, but Patrick Mahomes, you know, is pretty good at evading tackles. Yeah, I, that's why I think Bosa is the most important player on the Niner defense for Sunday. Just getting to the quarterback? Mm-hmm. Well, Making here, him uncomfortable? Here's what I think is just he's gone against really good pass rushers. In this postseason alone, he's mm-hmm. gone against Jarrell Casey, Taylor Lu- uh, not Taylor Luan, he's an offensive tackle, but he's gone against Jarrell Casey, he's gone against J.J. Watt, he's gone against really good pass rushers. And he's hit the ground how many times? Not a lot. Not a lot. He is so good at getting away from tacklers and extending plays. And when you extend plays, that allows receivers more time to get open. So in my opinion, if the secondary can delay the receivers from getting open just a little bit longer when Patrick Mahomes rolls to his right looking for a strong side throw... If, he could, if they could delay it just a little longer, force Patrick Mahomes to get out of bounds or throw it away, that's what's going to make the difference. Because no matter what, they can get to him a couple times, but in general, Patrick Mahomes is going to get away 80% of the time. That's what I'm saying. Bosa's just got a ball out on Sunday. I think that his success, him having a big game, is going to mean more to the Niners than anybody else on defense. I think it's going to come, like, he can have a big game, but if he has a big game on first down, doesn't matter. Uh-huh. If he has a big play on second down, doesn't matter. It's going to come down to third. It's going to come down to his ability to get to the quarterback on third down. Mm-hmm. Because guess what? Third and twenty, I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs get that. Third and third and ninety six, I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs get that. I just wouldn't. Mm-hmm. So it's going to come down to can they get to the quarterback on third down? Because you can bet your bottom dollar that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are going to come up with something special for those kind of situations. It is insane how we are talking about Pat Mahomes as if there is only maybe one solution to stopping him, and it's not anything that you can really control. It's He's that good. If you give him any time left to try and make a comeback or you give him even more than a couple of seconds on third down, he's going to beat you. He's going to make the play, and it's just yeah. it's amazing to me how a human being is that dominant at what he does. I didn't feel like he was for a long time this really? season. Well, for most of this season. Yeah, se- but he was hurt. Yeah, well, that had something to do with it. But last season... There was always this aura around the Chiefs that was like, they're going to score on every single possession. Mm -hmm. You just felt that with Mm -hmm. the Chiefs, right? And for most of this season, I didn't feel like that with the Chiefs. You you took a look at them and you were like, I mean, they're good, but... I don't feel like they they can beat anybody. And then the playoffs happen, and you're like, they can beat anybody, man. <laughs> and I think a lot of it has to do with that improved defense because the they get the ball back. Frank Clark and what they've been able to do up on that defensive line, stopping the run game, gets the Chiefs a much better field position. And then it's, all of a sudden it's like, holy moly, this play's only they've only done one play and they're already at the in the opponent's territory. And it's like, I think a lot of that has to do with the field position that the defense gives them. But it also has to do with just what Patrick Mahomes is capable of and how cool he's able to stay under pressure thanks to Alex Smith teaching him that. But uh, Alex Smith taught him everything, folks. And uh, <laughs> I tell you what, we are witnessing the proverbial passing of the torch, not just in football, but really from generation to generation across all major sports. In basketball, we're starting to see it with LeBron passing the torch to Giannis, who may or may not pass it on to Zion, depending how he pans out. Although he's off to a pretty good start. Ja. Ja. You mean Ja? 
<laughs> whatever. Uh, <laughs> baseball, we saw Derek Jeter kind of hand it off to Mike Trout. Hockey, we're seeing Crosby eventually will pass the torch uh, to McDavid. Huh? Eventually. eventually, McDavid will receive the torch from Crosby. And now we're seeing it happen in the NFL from either Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, depending depending what makes somebody a great quarterback, uh, they're passing it to Pat Mahomes. Yeah, it, we're seeing that right before our eyes. They're not passing it to Lamar Jackson, folks. No, they're not. And you know, it's not a knock on Lamar Jackson, but Mahomes has got the resume for one thing. Anytime you compare somebody to Lamar Jackson, it's ne- uh, sorry to Patrick Mahomes, it's never a knock on the other person. Just so you know, right? It's always a. Patrick Mahomes is that good. You know, right now, those are number one and two in the league in terms of talent. Just raw talent at the raw quarterback talent? position. Okay. Probably polished talent, too. Probably. I tell you what, though, it depends on, you know, and my point with all this was how you define greatness at the quarterback position because Tom Brady will, I will die on this hill, Tom Brady will go down as the most successful quarterback of all time. He is not anywhere close to being the most talented of all time. Aaron Rodgers certainly would be in that conversation, so it depends how you define greatness, but either way, those two are passing the torch to Mahomes. I think greatness is sort of a legacy sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It's sort of based on the legacy you leave. Tom Brady's leaving a legacy of success. He's leaving a taste of dynasty. He's leaving a everybody in the world, except Boston, the New England area, Mm -hmm. everybody hated the Patriots. That's the legacy. That is the greatness of Tom Brady. That's the greatness of Kevin Durant. Everybody, nobody liked him. Zero people liked uh, Kevin Durant. Mm -hmm. Zero people liked LeBron James. That's the legacy that you leave. That is how great you are. Well, that's been changing about LeBron. The narrative's been changing here lately. It's been changed. Durant's still playing the villain role. Curry, to an extent, has been playing the villain role. A little bit. A little bit. He can play it pretty well. By the way, here's your stat of the day before we hit the break. Pat Mahomes or Jimmy Garoppolo, we don't know which one, but one of them is going to join this group of quarterbacks to win their first Super Bowl as a starter in Miami. The other quarterbacks to do so... Joe Namath, John Unitas, Steve Young, Peyton Manning, and Drew Brees. That's good company to be a part of. Yeah, pretty good. You could add Jimmy Garoppolo to that list. Jimmy Garoppolo possibly getting his third ring, folks. (laughs) Jimmy Garoppolo currently, right now, has more rings than Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, and uh, as many as Peyton Manning and Eli Manning. Let me ask you this. If they both retired today, whose career would be more impressive, Jimmy Garoppolo's or Carson Wentz's? Carson Wentz. Really? He was almost an MVP. Well, it almost doesn't cut it. He also has an, he also has a Super Bowl ring. Right, but it, he got it the same way Jimmy Garoppolo did. I was uh, Carson Wentz, easy. Really? Yeah. Okay. You'd rather have Carson Wentz instead of Jimmy G right yep. now. With this Niner team, would you? How would it change your perspective of this Niners team if they upgraded at quarterback? If they still had Alex Smith, say that they're Super Bowl champs every single yeah. year, folks. <laughs> With Alex Smith, oh, think about that, oh. Alex Smith throwing at George Kittle. Oh, oh it's over. Oh, uh, I, man. I, dude, okay, I will, I, you'll die on that hill. I, I'll die on this hill. From 2000, uh, to, from 2000, I think it was 11 on, mm-hmm. Alex Smith currently is the active leader in completion percentage on throws 20-plus yards downfield. You think he's a game manager? You think he can only throw checkdowns? Guess what? He is the most accurate quarterback in the league. At, th- at deep throws, which is 20-plus yards downfield. For the record, I've never heard Alex Smith being accused of being a game manager. 
You've Look never heard Look. that? You've never heard that? I've never heard that. That's the biggest knock I've heard against him. I, I don't consider him that. I really, really don't. I've never. I've, done, I've honestly okay, never heard so that. The, so back in the day, like a year and a half ago, I used to I used to write for my own personal website. I used oh, to write. Oh no, you were one of those. people. I used to write articles all the time. I was yes. Um, I still am. Like I still want to write articles and stuff okay. like that. Like Monday minutes are my new articles sure. now. Whenever I I just shorten it down to two minutes. Mm-hmm. But uh, the very first article I ever did was why Alex Smith why the, or it's it was why the Washington Redskins won the trade with the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I talk about it, and it's like Alex Smith gets this bad rep. I'm just cheering for Alex Smith now, but uh, why he gets this bad rep of like, oh, he can only throw six yards downfield. He's somebody who when you need ten yards, he'll definitely get you seven. So, like, uh, he gets all this bad rep. He can only throw screens and short little slants and stuff like that. But the same arguments can be made for other guys. Uh, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, or all the arguments I hear against Alex Smith, you take a look at it and it's like his time to throw is so low because he just throws screens and checkdowns and stuff like that. But to take a look at the time to throw statistics, every single year, the three lowest people, you can take a look at this, every single year, the three people with the least amount of time to throw – Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and Aaron Rodgers, folks. They're always the bottom there. If you take a look at average intended air yards, which means how many uh, yards downfield the target was for uh, each throw, which includes incompletions. Who are the bottom three every single time? Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and Aaron Rodgers. But you never hear anything about those folks. Nothing. You really are the Stugats of this show. I mean, you're, you're coming out here making the argument that the Redskins won the trade while the Chiefs ended up with Pat Mahomes. Okay, the, if we're talking strictly the trade, mm. strictly the trade, uh huh. the Redskins won. Yeah, the Chiefs didn't need to win it. They had Pat Mahomes. Yeah, they didn't need to, but... They won the minute they drafted him. Fair, 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 fair. <laughs> but, but, if we're talking Kendall Fuller... For Alex Smith, mm-hmm. people were saying, why did the Redskins give up Kendall Fuller? Right. right. That on paper, I get it. But that's the Chiefs didn't saying. need to win that trade. That, that, that's what I'm saying, though. Do I think Patrick Mahomes is better than Alex Smith? By far. It's not even close. Well, Mahomes is better than anybody that's ever yes. played the game at yes. quarterback anyway. Yes. that By far. I think he's by far better than anybody who's ever played the game in terms of pure raw talent. Mm-hmm. Only thing even close is uh, in his prime Aaron Rodgers. Really? And maybe in his prime Brett Favre. I would have said Peyton Manning. No, because Peyton Manning doesn't have the mobility. Peyton Manning can read a defense, but he doesn't have the mobility. He can't escape a pocket like Patrick Mahomes can. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the arm strength. Arm his strength. ability to go downfield. Uh, to me, that seems like Peyton Manning. I see a lot of Peyton, Peyton Manning Manning's and Manning's biggest Mahomes. knock was his arm strength. No. Yes, it was. No. You take a look at any Peyton Manning draft profile What's his? Well, the biggest thing is does yeah, he have he arm strength? he could make the throws downfield in the NFL. He, he could. I mean, it, he, I know it, that was a concern matter. coming into his career, but he proved him wrong in the NFL. I, I think Patrick Mahomes' arm strength is closer to uh, closer to Brett Favre mm-hmm. because Brett Favre had incredible arm strength. It was mm-hmm. Brett Favre, Drew Bledsoe. They had the strongest arms, but the first Drew ever Bledsoe. the the, the first ever strong arm contest, which was between like Brett Favre, Drew Bledsoe. Uh, Steve Young, people like that. I remember like that. Vinny Testaverde. Yeah, Vinny Testaverde was pretty good too. So, but it was Drew Bledsoe and Brett Favre that were the farthest. And Brett Favre hit seventy-four yards, and that's uh, still the farthest recorded one in a strong arm contest. Mm-hmm. I think Patrick Mahomes has beaten that since. I think Josh Allen's beaten that since. But 
uh, that's all I can think of right now. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. We will finish out the show talking a little bit of football, but we've got a baseball story that's been trending. We talked a little about it yesterday. Could Major League Baseball adopt a universal DH? Next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you missed any of today's show, it's on demand with The Sports Pen podcast. Get our free mobile app from the Apple Ice Store or Google Play or check out ESPNUP.com and get the on demand there. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Glad that you're along. We got a little bit of baseball here to talk about before we get to the 5 o'clock hour. There's snow all out there. I don't know. It's not snowing today, I don't think. I, I, mean, I mean, it was yesterday, and then it turned to slush by the end of the workday. I tell you what, Michael, I got a parking ticket yesterday. I, I, I know, I know. And here's the thing. I was, uh, <laughs> I was like, had a replacement thing on my dash, a replacement, you know, parking permit. I put that on my dash. It expired. I wasn't even mad because I, I give whoever it was credit for like doing that. They actually stood out in that weather and took the time to read that it was expired. And they gave me the tag. I wasn't even mad. That's impressive. Uh, that's a good one. That's a good one. But, you got to yeah, give him the dedication. I do. I there. give him uh, credit, you know, if he's out there listening or whatever. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I took that L yesterday. It is better today, though, and it's uh, good baseball weather. Before we do that, though, you have a good impression that uh, that I thought was oh, okay. pretty spot on. Yeah, uh, Tanner wanted me to do this. Yeah, please do. Please share with the audience your impression of me. Welcome back to the Sports Pen. It's ABC 10 Wednesday here, per usual. <laughs> and uh, I tell you what, folks, you take a look at what's been going on in the NFL and just, uh, what are your thoughts on the whole situation <laughs> that we find ourselves in right now? And then uh, I'll give my response, and he goes, how about that? <laughs> how about that? That was pretty darn good. That was pretty spot on. How about that? Well, I'll I tell you what. One thing's for sure. <laughs> Eli Manning's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> uh, that was that was pretty good. I think you do a better me than me. Oh, that, that, I don't know. Come it's on. like okay, you know what that reminds me of is remember this is way back in two thousand and eight. You know Saturday Night Live. I feel like that Tina Fey that skit she did of Sarah Palin. I think Tina Fey does a better Sarah Palin than Sarah Palin. Well, because it became more iconic. Mm -hmm. It's just like, that's what people thought now. This is like a weird thing, but like, I'm a huge fan of this uh, thing Bleacher Report does called Gridiron Heights. Mm. Uh, Have you ever seen that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they had, and one of their most popular characters on the show is Eli Manning. Mm -hmm. And Eli Manning has this weird voice on the show it's like everyone's voice is weird yeah but it's like hey i mean like oh they all said i'm a murderer because i'm killing the giants and stuff like that uh i listened to an eli manning interview the other day and i was genuinely surprised (laughs) when his voice didn't sound like that and so it's it's just the whole perception of that it's uh, tina fey had that whole thing with sarah palin it's just it became more iconic people knew uh, Sarah for that voice mm-hmm. more so than her actual one, which is why people seem to think that Tino did such a good Sarah Palin, even though that wasn't <laughs> that close to what she sounded like. And yes, yeah, so that sort of stuff makes sense. Danner Hoops, John Michael Hofling with you. There's snow on the ground. There's a Super Bowl in four days, but we're talking baseball because a report came out from The Athletic, and I just briefly touched on it yesterday in the midst of Dusty Baker getting a new job, that the National League could adopt the designated hitter within the next two, three years. Now, I'm very much in favor of that, but you grew up a National League fan. What are yeah. your thoughts on it? Well, I grew up a National League fan, but my household was very split. Uh, mm. My brother and my dad are both Ace fans. It's mm. the same thing with the NFL. My brother and dad are both Raiders fans, but my mom mm. and I are Niners fans. So, okay. uh, That's beside the thing, though. 
Uh, I'm a big fan of the uh, designated hitter, and yep. I'll tell I'll tell you why. Because for years now, I've thought that the American League had a strict advantage having a designated hitter, mm-hmm. and not just in the sense of like, oh, well, their average is going to be higher when they play against each other, and pitchers are going to be better in the National League because they have to face other pitchers. Mm-hmm. No, but in the idea that when it comes down to the World Series, the American League all season long has said, we need to have a bona fide designated hitter. The National League never had to. So the mm-hmm. National League might focus more on getting relief pitchers or uh, somebody to balance out the rotation, round it out. But the American League needs to keep that in mind of, hey, we need to find somebody with a designated hitter. If the designated hitter is not in your lineup, that doesn't affect you. But if you don't have somebody in mind, the Giants trotted out Gregor Blanco. <laughs> Gregor Blanco <laughs> as the designated hitter in that 2014 World Series. If you don't think that's a problem, that's a problem, man. Like, Yes, the Giants won, but that's beside the point. The fact is that... They don't have anybody. I don't think there's any National League club that says, this guy's going to be our designated hitter. The only team I can think of that has one on deck is the Washington Nationals and the Los Angeles Dodgers. Mm -hmm. Because the Washington Nationals have Ryan Zimmerman just sitting there. He can't play the field anymore. And the Dodgers are so deep that they can't anyway. They have Kike Hernandez that they can throw out there. Trace Thompson, which I don't think he's actually on the team anymore. But Mm -hmm. they've had people in the past that they can just do that with. So... The National League is at a strict disadvantage when it comes to just roster building. So if you even out the roster building portion of it, then that evens a lot of things out. Because now the National League is going to be like, you know, we have a a lot of these great defenders, we have a lot of these great pitchers, but we don't have anybody that's just just a hitter. Mm -hmm. We don't have anybody that can just go out there and take take swings for us. They've never had to have that. So for years now, for years after this, they think the American League still has the advantage, but it's going to progressively become more of an even affair with the inclusion of the designated hitter. I'm glad that you agree with me on this. I thought we were going to argue, have a nasty think I was, debate. Did you think I was going to be super old-fashioned? Yeah, I thought you were going to stick with the National League guns. You were going to no. say, no, pitchers should bat. I mean, I will I miss Madison Bumgarner hacks? Will mm-hmm. I miss Zach Granke, Steven Strasburg, Bartolo <laughs> Colon taking swings? Yes, of course I will, but just because of something that happened four years ago or some really cool thing we saw a pitcher do one time after mm-hmm. striking out 46 times doesn't mean that it's still a good thing. Right. Hey, by the way, I did mention Dusty Baker here before we run out of time. Do you, you know, he's a former Giants manager. Do you kind of remember him the way yeah. I remember Ron Gardenhire? Yeah. Fond memories of Dusty? Yeah. I'm happy for him. I like Dusty Baker. So do I. I'm, you know, I know he's old school, and I know he's going to a team that was analytically and cheating inclined, but still, I'm hoping it works out for him, though. I like Dusty. Same. Not going to cheer for the Astros, though. Nope. Tell you what, though, with that, we are hitting the 5 o'clock hour. Appreciate you being here, as always, my man. Any Monday minutes, Thursday throwdowns that never come out on those actual days, <laughs> any of those that are We might have out. a Friday minute. Ah. Um, but uh, I'm going to try to get it out about the Super Bowl. But like I say, always say with these things, they take like 15, 16 hours to put together. It's not the re- – the research takes about three hours, and then finding all the pictures takes about two hours. But then it's the Photoshopping. Mm-hmm. The Photoshopping is what takes forever because you need to outline every single thing. <laughs> so that's what takes uh, – no joke. Everything else in a Monday Minute takes about six hours. Mm-hmm. 
and then photoshopping takes 10 to 12 hours. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Thanks for being with us. Back on tomorrow, same time and place, 4 Eastern, 3 Central. Until then, I'm Tanner Hoops for ESPN, UPWZAM, Ishpeming Marquette.